even if we do hire you know men in this company it will always be women led Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Elevator podcast, which highlights positive female role models to empower and inspire you to achieve your full potential. In today's episode, we are joined by Mary Lane Friday, founder of Fortrego, a London-based video production company for the third sector. Fortrego is a female-led company with the aim of telling stories that highlight organizational causes and move people to action in a traditionally male-dominated industry. With an academic background in human sciences and science communication, Mary Lane is passionate about telling stories centered on health and social issues. Most importantly, though, she is passionate about people and their lived experiences. Today, we discuss Mary Lane's journey to founding Fortrego how your environment shapes your beliefs of what you think you can or cannot do, and the many ways of being creative. So without further ado, let's dive right into it. We're live. Awesome. <laughs> Great. <laughs> okay, welcome to our podcast, Marlene. It's a pleasure to have you here with us today. Thank you. So before we dive in more into more details into your work, could you please introduce yourself for our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. I am Mary Lane Friday. I have an ever-changing job title, as you'd imagine. So currently founder and creative producer at Foltrego, which is a video and animation production agency. We are women-led. There are three of us at the moment, soon to be four, all women. And we produce videos for basically exclusively the charity, non-profit, um, social good, social purpose sector. Small but mighty is what we are, I think. <laughs> awesome. So tell, tell us a bit more about Fortrego. So like, why did you create it? Also, where does the name come from? Yeah, okay. Why did I create it? Okay, we are now a limited company. So, you know, just like kind of in any other business, really, that, that isn't freelance. But I started out freelance. So I, I would say I, I didn't create this intentionally. <laughs> it, it, it came to me, which, which is fantastic. So I started out freelance in 2018, in October 2018. Um, I traded under Foltrego Films. I will come back to to where, to where that name comes on and why I decided on that. But, um, and it was just me at the time. I, I was doing shoots, doing edits, all of that kind of stuff on my own. Fortunately, the workload grew mainly to the point that I couldn't take a holiday. <laughs> so, and also, well, coupled with that, of course, COVID hit. Um, and so we had to branch out our services to, to things that, that weren't just me, that weren't just within my realms of capability, because a lot of, of my stuff really is going out and meeting people and, and shooting films. So that wasn't possible. So I started working with kind of some animators and stuff like that. And it grew into kind of a fully fledged production company, which was really, really fortunate during a really like devastatingly hard time, um, which meant in January 2021, we incorporated and became Foltrego Limited and I took on my first employees, uh, Rianne, who I took on in May, May, June time, who is an illustrator, uh, animator, and then Karis later in October 2021, who is a shooter, filmmaker and editor. 
Um, and we still, you know, as a company work with the freelancers that I worked with during 2020 and during COVID who helped help grow this business to what it is. So they're very much still on our books and part of the team as, as much as, as people who are technical employees, really. So that's that's our little family. So that's how it kind of unintentionally came about. I'm very, very pleased that it did. It, it had to, you know, 2020, I I personally wasn't eligible for kind of any government grants or anything like that it's you know so many people slip through the net so the fact that I I could make this into a, into a business was literally kind of life-saving a, a lifeline uh, financially so so I can take you back a little bit to um to this name Foltrego it, it's my dad's moniker so it's the name he used to paint under so he's he's uh how do I describe my dad? He's um, he's an artist. He's he's a painter, but he has always held down a nine to five job to pay the bills. You know that's that that's the case. Um, but he painted in his spare time, surrealist pieces, kind of Dali esque, not necessarily in vogue now, but <laughs> very kind of wonderful pieces. And he painted under the name David Foltrego. So that's a, a little mix between our surname, which is Friday, and the word alter ego. So it's it's a mash. It's, it's just a bit of a meld there. There wasn't too much thought that, that went into it. So, yeah, he painted under David Foltrego and he worked his nine to five job under David Friday. You can kind of look into that however you want in terms of identity issues. <laughs> but um, that was that was that. And he always kind of told me you can't make a living out of art and that I mean that comes from a place of love and care really um judgment of course but it's it's someone who lives on the breadline and understands and wants a better life for you and understands money and and finances can bring about a better life for you therefore don't do art (laughs) you know was, was the message so you know, whatever the intentions there, that's that that's kind of his viewpoint. I loved art. I was naturally good at it, but I was also, again, fortunately, I, I loved learning about, you know, dinosaurs and stars and science and stuff. So I ended up doing doing a science degree. I found later in life that kind of same message being being said and it wasn't necessarily about kind of art and money per se, but more about what you can and can't do in life you know just those those phrases of you shouldn't do this and you should do that and I you know I got my first job out of uni and all of that kind of thing and I'm aware it was the industry I was working in the kind of tv industry advertising branding that you know that industry which can be quite you know toxic and patriarchal and outdated but the messages that were coming down were, you know, you you need to work your way up the ladder or you need this many credits to be in this position or you can't do this. And all of those things that are explicitly said, as well as the kind of unconscious biases that, that exist, like, you know, the fact that, you know, working in production and, and they were just picking all male crews all the time. And, you know, what, why? You know, why? And just because guys can lift heavy cameras and all of that kind of stuff. So... I was just kind of fed up of that narrative. I, I mean, I had a few a few jobs, um, again, TV industry, and then kind of working in-house for a large 
a trade union but a, a large company with a lot of kind of hierarchy and just huge 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 and all these messages were coming down to me and they were coming down from my bosses my bosses being white men and their bosses being white men and all of that kind of stuff and I I was just sick of it and quite dramatically decided to quit my job and become freelance and yeah so that that was in that was in 2018 um, and then, then I became freelance and started Foltrego and, and that's where the name arose. It was, I wanted to reappropriate the word essentially to make it mean something different to, to what my, my dad had, had said with, you know, all good intentions and all love and support. But what he'd said, what people, my bosses were saying, people in the workplace were saying just because it was historically said and assumed so I wanted to reappropriate it to mean something else, which was essentially like, yes, yes, you can. You know, you don't need you don't need this many credits. You don't need this experience. You don't need this money. Like just like, yes, you can. And how can I help you, essentially, which is the message I should have got from my bosses and the message I should have got from, you know, my dad and my parents. And it's it's not on any one individual that that hasn't happened it's completely systemic but yeah that's that's what we try and do for Trego it's it's like very much yes you can the people that we've hired so far I mean Rianne came from a retail background she had an art degree and because of um, and I'm, I'm sure she wouldn't mind me, me saying this just because of London rent you know she had to, to work a job in retail and did so for six years and didn't have the opportunity to get into the industry because to get into the industry you need experience and to get experience you need to do it free and to do it free you need money and wealth so stuff like that that's kind of what what we're all about just saying yes you can and, and how can I help you thank you for sharing I mean what a wonderful story there was to listen to and I mean what strong lessons you learned from that I mean it really nicely wraps up you know like from starting people telling you you can't and now you're actually showing like yes you can yes I can you know yes everyone can so actually that's perfect for our podcast because I mean that's the message we want our listeners to have as well uh, fantastic that. no apologies it's a bit of an essay I need to learn how to tell that story a bit more succinctly no. but <laughs> No, oh, it was it was great. So what I was wondering, so being free, like being a freelancer now. So what do you enjoy most of it now? Now, my absolute favorite thing is the fact I get to build a culture kind of on on my on my terms. So it gets to be women led, you know, it gets to put, you know, minorities or kind of whatever term you want to use at the front and amplify those voices. It gets to put community at the front and it, it gets to say yes you can all of that kind of stuff I get to I get to build a culture and my hope is that that leaves a legacy you know hopefully it, it touches and influences the team and the people kind of who work there anyone who encounters us and you know when I'm existentially dead and dead and buried it leaves kind of a, a legacy to, to challenge the status quo of, of how things should be so leaving just leaving a little challenge behind in the form of this culture so I, I've done I did one-to-ones with the team and said you know why, why do you come why do you come to work and why, what gets you up in the morning and what motivates you and 
the fact that we're all on the same page and that we've come up with like a list of values that properly reflects like us as a Fultrego community. It, that's, that's kind of my favorite thing. That's amazing. Yeah, I think I saw um, on your LinkedIn, like some of the values that you published as well, that was so inspiring. And I think it's, it's great that you're doing that with your, with your teammates and your colleagues as well. Like, I think every company should be doing that. Like just questioning, you know, what are your values? And it's important for the company and the people working there to reflect on it as well, just to make sure everyone's on the same line. So would you ever consider having men on your team or do you want to be exclusively female? <laughs> no, yeah, no, that's such a good question. I mean, the answer to that is yes the the interesting thing actually that when i was discussing these values with with my team and i was like you know obviously the plan is to scale and you know become a bit of a kind of force uh, do how far do we push the the kind of female creativity aspect of it the gender aspect of it and it was one of my team members caris who very rightly said no push it because even if we do hire you know men in this company it will always be women led and that that was that was the distinction if there if there are men you we're going to essentially rebalance the scales and the gender pay gap where there are just a load of men at the top and a load of women underneath because of you know lack of career advancement opportunities and shift that in a kind of positive discrimination way it you know hopefully and we'll see how that evolves and goes but there will always be women in leadership in this company predominantly but yes, yeah, we. Uh, I, I'm sure down the line we'll hire hire men who are aligned with our values, um, absolutely. And also a, a big a big thing we really do want to focus on is intersectionality, you know, within our team. So uh, yeah, I mean that's that's a big thing to focus on for us in in the future, definitely. That's interesting because therefore Selena and me, there was also a big discussion point we had. As she said, recently we started taking on like increasing our group. So as she said, we have three people now. And when we were interviewing, we had female and male students applying for for a position and we were thinking like what we want. But then yeah, we we now chose so one of our students now is 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 male as well. So mm. hi to Jack here. <laughs> but for us it was also important to include men into the conversation at that point and just to hear their voice as well. As you said, I like the fact that you say, yeah, we will include men, but also we'll still be female led. Yeah. Because then, as you said, that just turns, you know, the things on its head, like men can experience what it means and what it feels like to be led by women. Mm. And they can feel like this is a norm. Um, so I think that's really inspiring. Like, mm, Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. It's a tricky one, isn't it? And we'll, I'm sure we'll work it out as we, we go along and... Uh, make mistakes and all, all of the kind of usual learning process but yeah maybe uh, you know down the line probably kind of have a leadership quota in terms of you know this is the proportion we want to keep leadership w women in leadership in this company and all of that kind of stuff so quotas in, in that regard to just ensure that we, we keep the right percentage of women you know in, in the top kind of managerial roles in this company. Just coming back maybe to like the work you do with Foltrego. So you said you mentioned you mainly work, uh, exclusively work actually for charities in like the third sector. So why did you choose that? Yeah, again, it feels like not even a choice. You know, one of the the early the earliest taglines or, or, you know, when I went freelance, I was making my website and all of that kind of stuff. It was um, social change and social justice. 
which is what what I'm hugely passionate about. Before this, I was working, you know, in a trade union, so kind of say anti-Tory values, I suppose. So it was what I was passionate about, what I had some experience in. It wasn't a conscious choice. Um, the third sector and and charities, that's that's their mission too. That's their mission to to create social change in a better world and all of that kind of stuff. So early on, my values aligned with that sector and just kind of stuck there because it's a really, really wonderful sector to be in. I mean, it it truly is having had kind of some, I'll, I'll say broadly corporate clients, but uh, that's hugely generalizing. But yeah, the charity clients are really fantastic they absolutely practice what they preach which is what what we do too it's it isn't a surface level thing it's in the like blood and bones and what they the change they want to make and the communities they want to support we just kind of fell into it through aligned values and have have stuck there ever since yeah that's very cool another thing i was wondering so you know obviously you went from like working at a company to then saying I'm a freelancer to then starting a company by mm. yourself. So did you see yourself always as being capable of as becoming an entrepreneur before starting for Trigo? Yeah, no, <laughs> no is, is the answer to, to that. God, I always like, say to people that, you know, I, I'm from a working class background, which means the only exposure I had to kind of business, and I kind of say this in air quotes, is watching The Apprentice which is such a bad reflection of what it means to be an entrepreneur and what it means to kind of have your own business. And, you know, because uh, that's that's all I, I really kind of had access to, I thought it's just, oh, you need to be a certain personality type and you know, all, all of this kind of stuff. And so it was never, never part of my life plan. It was never a consideration especially when I went freelance I didn't see myself as an entrepreneur in particular I, I saw myself as a freelancer or a, an artist at a push you know just I, I don't know I didn't see myself as a business person that quickly changes when you own a company mainly because of the amount of paperwork that's involved and like gosh then then you really are I didn't have those role models it was never an option the path that you know my, my parents were kind of pushing for was get that corporate job and then you don't have to live in the house that we do where you know we have damp walls and we don't live in a nice area and you know we have to pick you up from school because you may get stabbed and all of that kind of stuff like they, they just wanted a better life and yeah it's, it's all about what what you're ex exposed to and that's that's all I was exposed to I didn't have anyone with kind of business acumen I think as well when you're kind of working class kind of like my, my parents are you are very risk averse And there's a lot of risk involved with being an entrepreneur or being a business owner or any of those terms. People just kind of shudder and cringe. It's like, oh, my, oh, my gosh, that's kind of the reaction I'd learned. I think it's really interesting to see how obviously like where you grew up and how your environment just shapes, you know, your views about what you can or can't do, what you should or shouldn't do. I hate the word like the word should because it's mm. just so limiting. It's just yeah. like, yeah, you should only do this and say like, then you can't you know, get out of that comfort zone and you can't do whatever you want to do inside. But I think it's great that you still went through like other paths as well, because that probably helped you to like just find out what mm. you really wanted to do in life. Yeah, I mean, that was, yeah. I, I can't emphasize enough how much it wasn't like a, a, a logical, like mental decision. I mean, it was, it was following my gut. It was the fact that I was in this world and I couldn't do it any longer. 
like I, I, I couldn't, you know, I had still have, have, we all do go through kind of waves and periods of, but my mental health at that point was, was so, was so bad. Like I, the nine to five wasn't for, wasn't for me, but it was a struggle because I didn't know there was any other option really. I feel like I decided to quit before my brain even engaged that I had. I just like, it was, it was like my stomach saying quit and my yeah my internal organs just handing in handing in the notice it wasn't my brain that is is really great to hear all of your of your experiences so another question I had was so if I think about myself I used to be creative so I used to like like drawing and painting or things like this when I was younger and then I kind of lost track of it so I kind of I, I stopped taking the time for it and now I barely do painting, even though I have colors here and everything. So sadly, so maybe you have some advices, you know, for people on that or how to become more creative. I do think in in a way, getting to be creative can, can be a luxury. That's the thing, you, you get to be creative when you know you're safe in a way right we're, I mean we're living in 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 a, in a situation globally where we don't necessarily know that but coupled with that on a micro level in some individuals you know who are trying to make ends meet again don't don't get the luxury maybe of getting to be creative because they don't feel safe because it's like well where's that next bill coming and, and all of that kind of stuff I mean I would even say and again I hope Rianne doesn't mind bringing this up and I'm sure she doesn't because she's quite vocal herself you know Rianne working in retail for six years she didn't get to work on her own portfolio and stuff like that because she had to worry about making rent and there are so many people in that situation the fact that she gets to be creative now is because she kind of has has this role you know she is it's her job and I'm not saying that creative creativity has to be your job to actually be be able to do it that that was the thing that would enable her to do it if money if if she didn't have to worry about money she can she can draw <laughs> and I mean that's the kind of thing we we, we want to enable at, at Fortrego essentially it's I love the sentence yeah. especially like creative and when, when you're feeling safe mm. like, this is yeah. so true and I just realized like this is really true <laughs> It's so true. I used to be really creative as well. Like not really, I was not good at drawing, but I used to love like playing music. I played the piano for a long time and it was like a big part of my life. And that was for me being creative, you know, my way of being creative. And I really miss it because I don't have the time now. So I try mm. to be creative in other ways. And there are many ways I think people can start, you know, and try being creative in their everyday life. You know, you can, maybe cooking can be a way of being creative for instance you know there are many ways of expressing yourself I think mm. like sports can also be a way of expressing yourself you just have to find like something to get creative but I think it's so empowering to know that you've produced something that comes from your own it's so important I think that's why Michael was asking the question because I think loads of people would like to get more creative because maybe they were as a kid and I think loads of kids actually are really creative because they don't have all that worry that's about, the thing like, yeah. yeah they're so safe because they're like everything they cared for right it's fine yeah yeah that's the We're thing definitely. I mean I used to and I don't anymore and I can expand on that I used to paint portraits kind of inherited just my dad's ability to just do that but I used to do that during my half terms summer holidays you know when you have a structure when it's like okay 
come October, I'm back in school or I'm back in uni or anything like that, you know, you have a block of free time. Whereas, you know, even people on furlough and stuff, it's like, oh, why don't you get creative? It's like, because I don't know when the next paycheck's come. I don't know what's happening with this world. And that, that lack of routine and structure, when you when you don't know what's going on, you can't even like carve out that that time to, to do that. Yeah, and the, the reason I, I don't do that anymore is because I realized I was doing it not myself, essentially. It was, I was doing it kind of com- competitively to prove that I could, to be productive during my half terms, to show, you know, I come out of a half term or a summer holiday and with something to show for it. Whereas now I may do the odd collage and it's because using scissors and glue makes me makes me feel good and it's not like the high production value of my portraits but I'm doing it for the for better reasons I'm not doing it competitively I'm doing it in front of MasterChef to have a really nice Saturday. (laughs) I was just thinking Selena like in some kind of ways we're also more creative maybe than we think because we're scientists you know so maybe maybe all is not lost with us you know yeah I was <laughs> thinking actually like yeah we are creative because yeah. obviously our, our PhDs are quite novel and we have to come up with ideas so yeah, yeah we're being creative in like a different ways I think when people think about creativity they think about like art and like painting and that kind of stuff but creativity can be expanded to like any other fields I just had maybe just one last question. If you could give one tip for any women wishing to start a career in the media industry, what would that be? So I would say the media industry, and I touched upon this before, can be a little bit antiquated, traditional, hierarchical and stuff like that. (laughs) I'm using these all as kind of negative words, but I don't mean it in that way. But it has kind of a long history you know journalism and stuff of it being quite a a wealthy middle class profession and all of that all of that kind of kind of thing so if you're hearing stuff from the top down that doesn't sit well with you that isn't necessarily the truth that isn't a universal truth you know kind of like I said about my story and because I was working in the media industry and if there are people there telling you you need so many credits to be able to do x y or z or you can't fast track your career in any way or everyone has to work on a low wage or everyone has to be a runner that just simply is not a universal truth it's just what they learn and they're passing down there's generations in in the industry as there is in families and, and in society you know people are just passing down what they learn and that is not a universal truth. So you can change that. If that doesn't work for you, you can you can change that. Love that. Thank you. Perfect. So yeah, I think for us, there's just one more question to ask. What is your favorite word or quote and why? Okay, 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 okay. All right, honestly, and this this came out when I was, we were doing our values as a team. And all of us are mega big fans of Spider-Man. And I literally wrote this down when I was watching Spider-Man No Way Home for the second time. But I had the values thing like ticking, ticking away as a task in the back of my head, obviously, um, while watching Spider-Man. And the quote, with great power comes great responsibility. Said by Uncle Ben, classic (laughs) Spider-Man quote. And it was it was one I was kind of, yeah, brainstorming the values. I was like, but that's what we're about. And I think an example, an ex- example of that kind of personally and recently 
is I was doing some training for an amazing charity called Work and Chance, who basically try and get um, women with convictions into meaningful employment, because it's really, really hard to get to get a job and a job that, that you like after a conviction. And so there's a lot of women with convictions who are having troubles with universal credit, you know, over over the COVID periods. And so in short, I was providing some kind of film and video training so that they could tell their own story. So to make a kind of user generated piece to make a film. And oh, gosh, I think some maybe some of the members of the charity got got COVID as well and got ill. And I, either way, they were really, really stretched and less the, the, the charity lead emailed me on a Saturday I emailed her on a Friday saying how's it going and she was like oh my gosh we, we're really 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 struggling to edit this film that you know that the the women have have produced for time and all of that it's it's meant to be in parliament or we're publishing the report on Thursday and I basically without thinking was just like give it to me I'll, I'll do it for free and okay bad business true <laughs> and and yes lack of boundaries and yes that was on me, my weekend but Fortrego will always be about what it stood for in the first place which is creating social change and the people who work for us are, work for us because they want to create social change and in by virtue of hiring these people we're trying to create a new way of working one where women are in leadership positions and everything so yeah, I mean, I, I could do that edit in, in half a day, whereas whereas others would struggle. But at the end of the day, they'd have a film to take. Yeah, I, I, I feel a great, a, a huge responsibility to essentially help empower women, amplify marginalised voices, tell those stories. And the fact that I and definitely my team as well and anyone who works for us cares so passionately about these causes. Yeah, I, I think it, it it kind of really does set us apart. I, I love Spider-Man as well. Like, <laughs> I like, I'm also a big Spider-Man fan, so I think it's a great quote. It's what awesome. a perfect way to end our lovely yeah. conversation. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, thank you so much, Mary. That was interestingly how you get to be creative when you know you are safe. You will find links to her website and Foltrego in the show notes. And as always, we would really appreciate it if you could rate and subscribe to this podcast, as well as share it around you so that we can reach and empower more people to elevate their lives. If you wish to support our work, please check out our link tree, where you can find a link to donate. See you next week for another exciting episode.